Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tara. Greetings citizens. This is a science fiction movie podcast. We get together every week we talk about a sci-fi movie and on this episode we'll be talking about Pacific Rim Uprising. For tonight we are once again cancelling the apocalypse. <laughs> yes, more on that later. Uh, so that is the plan for this this episode. We'll get into it. Uh, we did the first one, of course, a while back, which is why I said we should really get go back to that and do this because there's only two. It's not like there's a big list of like you know ten sequels to get through. It's just there's one sequel. Let's just get it done and have it dusted. Uh, so we'll get into that in a little second. But I do have to take some time before that and, and inform everyone of something and uh, encourage something. Uh, so coming soon, we will be doing a top 50 sci-fi movies not our top 50 sci-fi movies we're having you guys vote on the top 50 sci-fi movies uh so the voting is actually throughout the month of june so we're already a little bit of course but uh the deadline's the end of the month if you look at the description below you will see the link to the submission form uh it's quite simple you put in your top 20 at least sci-fi films you can put a full top 50 but you do have to put at least a top 20 ranked in order starting at number one and movies will get points based on where you place them and we'll be doing our results uh, sometime in July. It's kind of a summer countdown special. So uh, that's something How we'll be exciting. doing. exciting. Yeah, it'll probably be two parts like these top 50s usually are. So Can uh, I submit a list too? Yeah, why not? Like, we usually I'll do it anonymously list. so you can't, you won't know who it is. I mean, you might know from the first two movies. Yeah, I'm going to recognize your top <laughs> two. Uh, also, I need to like keep track of who's who, so don't do it anonymously. <laughs> okay, then I'll submit six. I definitely don't do that. Uh, so, yes. Uh, so, you know, go submit. Go, go submit. you got till the end of June to submit your, your top 20s or more uh, sci-fi movies of all time. So go do that. And no combining franchises or trilogies. Each film has to be entered separately. If you yeah. combine any trilogies or anything like that, I'm just going to ignore uh, them. So, Who would do such a thing? Yeah. You'd be surprised how many people try and get away with uh, that kind of nonsense. And mm. it doesn't fit the, the point system, so I'm just going to ignore it. You're just, they're getting no points. <laughs> it's not going to happen. If I give them all points for being in that slot, then it's kind of breaking the the system a little bit. So could you just break put the like break the points it's worth in half and give half points to each film? No, I'm not. I'm not this because it's not allowed. I'm not having some <laughs> some sort of fallback thing that people can expect to happen. It's not happening. So uh, make sure you do that. So top fifty voted the Atomic Cinema Experiment audience vote for the top fifty sci-fi movies. Uh, so make sure you do that before the end of the month. Alright, so, Pacific Rim Uprising. The sequel to Guillermo del Toro's film, which basically exists because John Boyega, who's not even in the first film, uh, willed it into existence <laughs> on his own. Because he, he liked it, apparently, and wanted to be in one, and wanted to do more. So, here we are, directed by Stephen DeKnight. Uh, this came out in 2018, this was five years after the first film so it was a pretty notable gap by movie standards and yeah so i'll get I to thought the that guillermo del toro like had 
an idea for the sequel that he wanted to do and then originally was going to do a sequel and then went, no, I can't do it because I'm going to make Shape of Water or something instead. I don't remember any of this. It doesn't mean it's wrong, but I, I don't remember any of it. <laughs> well, then it's absolutely right. Uh-huh. I mean, John Bega definitely championed this and like got it, like, he because he produces this as well. He's not just in it. Like he he spearheaded a lot of this. Um, mm. I mean, Del Toro's not credited as a writer at all on this. So not even for a story. Nope. Weird. It's almost like Tower may just be wrong. <laughs> no, I'm definitely right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I suppose he may have had an idea for a sequel, but then they didn't use it. You know, it may just be they said, "No, we're doing our own thing." So then they went off and did this instead. So, uh, that is, uh, so we're going to have an episode of Uprising, and I had seen it before, I saw it when it came out in theaters. uh, Tara had not seen it, so this was a first time watch, uh, it is a little bit different to the first one, although the basic premise is kind of the same, in that there's, you know, giant, you know, mechs that are called Jaegers, uh, we have Kaiju, who have not been back, you know, in the first film they won, they closed the breach, so it's been 10 years, we're 10 years later in the film, and there's been no more kaiju, but people are still kind of preparing in case they come back, because, you know, there was, I mean, they barely won that first time, so important to be prepared in case there's a second war, effectively. Uh, so we're interested to the characters, there's a lot to go into, of course, but uh, before we do any of that, before we start going through the plot, and uh, obviously we'll probably just go straight into spoilers, I don't think anyone is going to care that much now about spoilers for this. So, you've been warned, but I'll ask Tara the question. Did you enjoy, or not enjoy, Pacific Rim Uprising? Well, I mean... I didn't really enjoy the first one. This one I liked about the same. There was definitely like some things that I like about it and some things that I got bored by <laughs> fairly quickly. There's a lot of like story beats that don't really go anywhere. And there's one story beat that I really liked, but it didn't go in the direction that I wanted it to. And we'll talk about that. But I do think, like, John Boyega is... A, he's a strong character lead. Like, he's fun to watch. Uh, I think he's got good, like... Good banter, good chemistry with the, the girl he's teamed up with. I think... Scott Eastwood, like... Plays the same guy he always seems to play. <laughs> it's just super dry and unnecessary in this movie. Which is unfortunate. But, like... There's definitely the... The lack of del toro because at least i mean i don't love his movies but at least he's got style and this movie kind of looks like the video game version of his film you know <laughs> i can kind of see what you mean by that i that, that said though i do actually really like that some of the fights take place in daytime and i like that the jaegers are like different colors so it's very easy to kind of follow them yeah like, they're, they're, i think they're while you know um, you know, purists are going to like hate that I say this, but I do think there's genuine improvements in some ways in this over the first film, and in, in terms of certain elements. The lead characters are definitely an improvement, with the mm -hmm. exception of like Scott Eastwood, just because he's he's like nothing in the movie. He doesn't really. He has like there's nothing about his character that's interesting, you know. He's just by the books, 
military guy. He's the same guy who plays in Suicide Squad. <laughs> I don't remember him in Suicide Squad, if I'm honest, but... Because he's that forgettable. He's the same... It's the exact I, same character. I, 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 don't, I don't deny that he's forgettable. I, I'm not that hung up on him, though. <laughs> I don't care. Well, I mean, he's, he's on the poster. Like, he's the third lead in the film. I'll take your word for it. The poster I'm looking at right now doesn't have anyone's name on it, but... Oh, well, it was the poster when I rented the film. Okay, I believe you. <laughs> I'm sure it had 50 posters when it came out, because most movies do now. Uh, I, yeah, I... What's funny about going back to this this one, because I, I definitely had fun with it when it came out, and I think at the time I said I liked it more than the first film, and I think I'm a bit more conflicted on that statement now. I'm not so sure I do like it more than the first one, I think, much like you, they probably work out to be a similar level, but the strengths and weaknesses are different. Like, I don't... I don't necessarily... I mean, obviously, some of the core ideas are the same, in that, yes, I'm I'm enjoying big robot action, and that's the part that's kind of the same, I suppose, but I do think the strengths and weaknesses and what I like about each one are, is, is a little bit different. I think I like a lot of the ideas in the second one more. I think it suffers because it doesn't actually get enough time to focus on building some of the characters. Like, I think there should be way more of uh, Amara uh, and the other kids to actually build a camaraderie there. So we'll get right. into that when they we get start the doing, Yeah, they start doing like an Ender's Game thing and then I think it really kind of gets abandoned. There's it, a lot yeah. of little storylines that are introduced. There's like a love triangle that like never comes up again. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> Kind of, yeah. Um, I no, there are definitely things that just it kind of seems to forget about for a long time, and it's it is used like it's set up to be used later in the film, but it's it's less of a like I I almost thought that she was going to you know that Amara was going to be the co lead of the film, and we're going to follow her story equally with what was going mm-hmm. on with the adults, uh, you know, and it, but it doesn't really do that, so it's kind of weird. So there's a lot of things like in the third act when we get the big third act action set pieces and they're in danger and stuff where I'm like, you know, I wish I cared more about these connections a little bit. I wish we spent time mm-hmm. with these characters enough that I actually gave a shit beyond just, you know, the idea that I'm supposed to. Uh, right. So I, I think there is legit complaints to, to be made there uh, in critiques. Like I say, though, I do think the the Jaeger battle at the, in the third act is particularly fun. And because they're all distinct colors this time, and because it's the daytime, <laughs> you can actually sort of make out the fight a little bit better. I like that all of the Jaegers don't just immediately get destroyed within the first minute of the big fight, and it's just down to the one Jaeger. Like, they actually get to succeed and get a, some you know signature moments each for a bit before it kind of gets whittled down uh, like you kind of expect it to. Um, yeah, but there's something about like the like the Jaeger fights in the first movie have like a real distinct look. You know, nobody uses like a ship as a baseball bat in this one, or or like um, don't they use boats as like brass knuckles and stuff? Like there's there's some really fun things. Like you have a skyscraper that's alive that's beaten up a giant monster, like a Godzilla type thing. Like use the environment. That you know, Guillermo does in his film, that is fun at least, and it's got like a more tangible look. Like you really feel the weight of the Jaegers in 
his movie more so than in this one. This one kind of just becomes more like there's there's a part where they're like fighting in snow and stuff and then the ice starts cracking. I'm like, yeah, the thing weighs like <laughs> the size, like the weight of a mountain. Like, of course, it's going to be cracking. Like, why hasn't it gone through this thin layer of ice yet? Like, it, does, it doesn't feel the weight that the first one, like you really felt it. Yeah, I don't think I agree with the premise, though, that the first one used the environment more. Because I feel like it had the ship bat. That was like the one big thing it did with the environment. Whereas this one, I would say, has a similar well, kind of thing. Well, they just had more that... unique... I thought they had more unique, like, fights well, in well, let me, let environments, me get, too. Let me like, get... they have, like, the ship thing because it's fighting in a shipyard, and then... Or it's fighting in the rain. Like, yeah, it was fighting in the dark. But, like, this one's just fighting in snow or fighting in cities. And all the cities are just generic cities. I don't see why... Like, why is the city at the end of this one uh, uh, in Japan any less... Or, because like, it's just like a generic, like, buildings. It's not like... Uh, I don't know. There's no, like, landmarks or... Uh, it doesn't really... It, it feels like the end of, um, like, any superhero movie that just takes place in some city you've never heard of where they're just, like tearing through giant buildings but that's it like it's okay. like the end of well okay, Godzilla okay. versus but Kong that, that's kind <laughs> it's of like a, the same thing that's kind of a separate complaint though because what you said before is that it didn't use the environment and I I, I don't think mm -hmm. that's true because there's one of my favorite moments of the action and this is when it starts when the the main gypsy avenger starts like uh, pulling down buildings because it realizes that the the, the, the the kaiju is absorbing all the hits kind of like Black Panther actually bizarrely to compare it to yeah. something um and decides to start pulling down the skyscrapers on top of it. I thought that was a really fun use of the environment. Uh, I, I, I I thought that was just as fun as the ship bat. And I don't know, like, the the, the, the final... Because the fight in Hong Kong in the first Pacific Rim is really good. That, that's, the, that's, the, that's the peak of the film. Like, that's the, the part that I love in that first film. But the final stuff all takes place in, under the ocean. But that, that stuff all at the end is not that fun to look at it's not that easy to make out what's going on it's a little bit muddy um i definitely prefer the third act to this film to the first one by far like i don't even think it's a comparison uh especially since the first film as, as we pointed out when we talked about it is so beat for beat like a, a weird remake of the ending of independence day like you can actually track mm -hmm. the, the the beat the plot beats from each film and it lines up perfectly it's so weird um yeah, I, sure. The site is a bit generic, but I don't necessarily think that's a that's a huge deal. Like, I I got a lot more personality out of each of each of the Jaegers in this one. Like, one was a bit more agile and was kind of jumping around and swiping. One was the big bulky one with the big sort of the spinny, like mace like ball with the mm. with the things like um, a morning star. One had was like red and white, so it stuck out a little bit more. Um, I don't know if that had specific skills necessarily that stuck out, but it definitely still looked distinct enough that I could I could get the different sense of it in the fight. Like I I understood I I could always kind of like understand what Shigeru was looking at, what it was doing in the fight. I could always kind of feel that sense. Um, and yeah, I, I, it doesn't really bother me that it, the city's kind of just. I mean, you say that though, but like, is this based on a real city? Is is this based on like like? I don't know. I mean, it may be. But it's also like a future where there's already monsters tearing up cities, so... That's true, yeah, they've probably... Like, I don't know. It may be based on a real city, but they've added, like, a bunch of buildings because they can. Like, why not? Future, it's a future. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, 
um yeah i don't know i i i think bizarrely the one thing i'm going to disagree with you on here is the look i think this film looks better than the first one oh it doesn't really have any style kind of just it looks like it, like in the beginning scene reminded me so much of alita alita battle angel it just kind of has that that future video game look to me i'm not gonna say this is like, a... we're just having an adventure with don't, a kid and we're trying to escape the law don't mistake me for saying that this i think this looks better than the first one for the most part is it's saying it looks unique or stylistic because i, I don't Well, that's what i think the first one has because it's got a director who has a unique style yeah but i think the style in the first one is a detriment to what it's doing at times uh because it's hard to see what's going on in some of the big fights and because it's always at night and because it's it's got this kind of darker tone uh and it's color grading versus this which is a lot more brighter and vivid now admittedly it is kind of just neutral in a lot of ways there's, there's not really much of a, a sense of thing but i think it wanted to have that kind of poppy comic book colors mm-hmm. because yeah the jaegers do stick out when they're having that fight in broad daylight at the end it's, it's very power rangers it's very power rangers which yeah. and the first one was good because it felt like Power Rangers at times, so they leaned into that. They leaned into the best thing the first one had going for it. <laughs> so, um, no, I, I can't get on board with that. I, I really can't. I think one of the things that stuck out to me, even from the trailer for this when they were advertising, it was like, oh, this looks better than the first one, just visually, because I can actually see what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm someone who will obviously, like, usually want, like, you know, I want a director style, I want this or that. <laughs> Um, but I'm also someone who, and again, this is blasphemy to a lot of people, who's not really much of a fan of Guillermo del Toro. I'm sorry, everyone, but I think his films are overrated. I like him. Like, he's definitely hit or miss for me. And sometimes it is a bit more style over substance, but, like, he still he still has a unique a unique style, and, and I, I can't help but, like, look forward to what he comes out with, because I do think he has, like, a good mind for fantasy and the just the fantastical world that he can create before, yeah, before, you know the, the, he doesn't he doesn't make anything that looks like anything else to before me. this goes any further though i want to make something perfectly clear because i feel i feel like i can already hear the comments typing about me defending this very schlocky blockbuster robot movie um especially against the darling that is Guillermo del Toro. But I want to make it clear that I do I do not think this movie is a smart movie. I do think it's got a messy script that doesn't focus on its characters enough. I do think there's a ton of things that could be better and fixed. I think, ultimately, I kind of like this movie because it appeals to a lot of my sensibilities. And that's not to say, though, that re-watching it now again that I wasn't noticing more problems or I wasn't feeling the impact of what it does get wrong or what it fails to do because but the core concept of this movie which is you've got this sort of rebel kid teenager who's kind of like built her own little mini jaeger uh, on mm-hmm. her own she's got her bumblebee because yeah. she's got you know she's got a bit of a rebel and she's like a go-getter and she's she's got a fiery spirit and the fact that she's going to end up having to team up with our main character and you were talking about Boyega earlier. I think he's a little hit and miss in this movie. I think there's times where he does sound very naturally charismatic. I think there's other times though where he bizarrely goes a little bit too thick with the Britishisms and it sounds a bit weird. But it really sticks out though in this because there's also times where he sounds like he's like he's written to so it's so that Americans understand him. So when he mm-hmm. does go more British, it That's sounds funny. it sounds really weird because Early on, when he's talking about... What was it he says? 
It's, it's when he's like doing all his exposition at the start where he's talking about the fact that he, he lives in the underworld and he's like trading stuff in like you know pacific islands because they're, they're all like kaiju destroyed so it's kind of like no man's land out there uh, mm-hmm. there's, there's a couple of things he says that just stuck out as being a little bit weird um yeah like like when he calls oreos cookies for example like that really stuck out as being kind of oh yeah weird to me when he's collecting like yeah. hot sauce and stuff and things that are being traded yeah because like, commodities are more um valued now than like money yeah although uh, i did kind of groan a little bit this time watching it that how product placementy that section was because it was like a brand of cereal, yeah. then it was the Oreos, and then it was the, the hot sauce. Yeah, it was like <laughs> just, it was like brand after brand after brand. Yeah. Uh, at, at least, <laughs> at least later on. I when, mean, it makes when, sense though. Like, if the world had to like give up all of its resource to make these giant robots, that we don't have factories to make sriracha anymore, that they they would be a hot commodity. Sure, sure. That's not a that's not a joke because it's hot sauce. Yeah, you so you claim. Uh, but at least later on, when he's like, like it turns out he's like he's got like an ice cream, like obsession or whatever. Uh, there's no brands involved in that because he's just like it's just ice cream and it's just like cream and sprinkles and whatever. Like it's, it's not like focusing Don't on messing my toppings specific things. Uh, so so that that's fine later. Although it's a really weird scene just in the like. It is. It's supposed to be like this, you know, like. Riggs and Murtaugh or something. That, that that was one of the scenes. That, <laughs> that's one of the scenes I was mentioning or I was thinking about when I said that uh, he's hit and miss. And that was yeah. like one of the scenes where I didn't think it, the chemistry really It tends really to be worked. the comedy stuff that I think is like it just it's a bit too much. But I don't know if I could put that on him versus was, like the director, you know, <laughs> or the writing. Yeah, I, well, that's the thing. I think he tends to be funnier when he's interacting with Amara. When he's interacting with Scott Eastwood, I really like them actually. I thought they made a good duo for the for like the adventure side of the film and then the teacher student relationship yeah but when he's interacting with scott eastwood um i think some of those sort of so they're bickering kind of falls flat occasionally uh their camaraderie yeah. feels a little bit forced at times i don't think like I, so here's the thing i actually watched this twice in the past week because we were meant to record a week ago uh so I've that happens se- a lot with us i've now seen this three times twice in the last week and I still don't really understand exactly what he did to upset Scott Eastwood back in the day when he left. I don't know if yeah, they, I don't they, know. I don't know if they ever made it clear exactly what was it. Just him leaving, choosing to leave. That was the problem. He said something like "Don't steal anything," but that could just mean because he's, you know, a thief now. Well, no, he, it, it, well, he, didn't, he didn't choose. We didn't choose to leave. He got kicked out. Oh, okay. Yeah. He got kicked out, but I guess getting himself kicked out, and because he was his drift partner, it kind of shelved him as well. Uh, maybe maybe. That's, uh, maybe it's just that simple, but it, I don't know if the movie made that ultra clear uh, as, as it was going on. So, I think that's worth right. you know, critiquing a little bit. But And yeah, there's kind of a love triangle thing with them and Isaac Gonzalez, and you know, I... I I I remember like looking forward to her being in this movie and then being disappointed that she's, <laughs> she's in like maybe a total of twenty seconds. She's yeah, she's in twenty seconds and she's basically just there for these two guys to both like be attracted to, and yeah, it's not. And this is the thing; it doesn't even get that bad. Well, they both the, have history with her, right? Do they? Like Boyega has history with her, but now she's with Eastwood. 
No, I think you're making this up. Well, you, you've seen it more than me. I I I, I think you're like taking. I, I thought small I thought lines. it was like a okay maybe. No no no. Maybe he was just flirting. Yeah, no, th- th- it was just fl- flirting because he, he flirts when he sees her, a boyega that is, and then Eastwood, so I, every time like, it comes up, he kind of like snaps at him and says, you know, you know, keep your head in the game or something like that. Um, and all it is, is that it builds up to a joke before the start of Act 3, where she kisses them both in the cheek and asks them both to like, you know, stay alive and be careful. And Boyega mm-hmm. says, well, that's confusing. So I'll, she's not in a relationship with either of them, right? This is this is that. She's what definitely that joke not in a relationship with Eastwood. I'm positive. You know what? I actually think this debate is a very good case example for the the characters in this movie because I actually think one of the problems with the characters is how thin they are, and that this kind of relationship between Boyega, Eastwood, and Gonzalez is one of the thin elements that I would critique for being too kind of just slightly there and no more. Yeah, the same thing kind of happens with like the the kids that are part of the cadet program where there seems to be like this rivalry that comes out of nowhere with a Russian student and that just kind of goes away. It's just resolved on its own. Unless I miss yeah. something. Um... No, I mean, it's kind of there. Again, it's very thin. It's, it's you know, she, so so Amara, uh, she's built her own little Jaeger. Uh, she -hmm. gets into trouble because there's like a Jaeger defense force who like tries to- It definitely looks like Bumblebee, right? The Uh, Jaeger she builds? Scrapper? Less movie Bumblebee and more like traditional Transformers Bumblebee. It looks like Bumblebee to me, yeah. Yeah, like the animated Bumblebee, not the movie Bumblebee. Sure. Well, I mean, even the movie, it kind of looks like the movie one a bit too. It just oh, doesn't oh, have oh, the oh, colors. Oh, oh, but oh, like... oh, 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 let me clarify. When I say movie Bumblebee, I mean the actual Transformers movies, not the movie called Bumblebee. No, I'm talking about yes. the movie called Bumblebee that I, 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 for, I forgot <laughs> for I forgot for a second that Bumblebee actually had the more traditional design in his solo spinoff movie. I'd forgotten that existed. I was just talking about the... Yes. Because he's a... Like Corvette, He's got like an insect-looking head. Yes, yes, yes. yes it's very mm-hmm. Bumblebee. Yes, yes, but classic Bumblebee. I, I was thinking like the main Shia LaBeouf movies. No, I I was referring to the one that we watched two years ago or something. <laughs> I'm sorry, it wasn't that memorable. Okay, <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, Haley Steinfeld, bless her heart, try, tried her best. To, well, to... I think that's what it made me think of it too, just because it yeah. was like Bumblebee and his young human. You know, lady friend. <laughs> yes. Um, so, but anyway, so she, and that's a fun enough sequence at the start when she, we, we sort of learn, like, how this thing works. You know, she she's, it can roll into a ball and stuff like that. And she tries mm-hmm. to run away from a big proper Jaeger who tries to arrest her. And it gets her in trouble. And that's what leads her to being recruited by Mako uh, to this program. And yes, when she, she arrives there, it's kind of Ender's Game-esque. We've got, like, all these teenagers. And... You know what? They give a good reason. To, to, to be fair to them, I actually think their reason for why they, they, tra- it. they train teenagers mm-hmm. seemed okay. It was like, no, no, you bond with people better. You have a longer lasting, tighter bond if you if you start a relationship with people young. And I'm like, oh, you know what? That actually sounds... You know, it's, for a movie, that sounds reasonable enough. Like, I'm, I'm on board with that. <laughs> right? There's less trauma that you have to drift with. Yes. Um, <laughs> especially since it's because, you know, obviously 
you we know because it's a movie they're going to have to pilot jaegers by the end because otherwise we wouldn't be spending all this time with them but mm-hmm. you get the sense that that's not the intention the intention is they won't actually pilot jaegers until they're adults <laughs> like they won't actually right. be out there doing things it's only because all the other pilots get killed <laughs> they're like Shit. yeah okay they can't count on twins or brothers anymore yes um so i appreciate that but yeah like you say so she gets introduced to the, the all the cadets and most of them are nice to her but there's this one really mean russian girl uh who like has a problem because she like you know trained for this and like had to like, apply and amara just got picked up off the street because she built her own jaeger did she built her own jaeger i don't think so yeah it worked <laughs> i know <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> They have a fight at one point, but then they kind of uh, just just once they actually and they're in a Jaeger in the third act, they just kind of seem to like get along because they're actually in the heat of battle together. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's basically it. again. It's, it's kind of thin. Like these are all things that are fine ideas. Like I, I love the concept of like this team of teenagers, and maybe it's because it is a bit more Power Rangers because we have teenagers who are ultimately going to be the ones piloting these stupid big robots. Yeah. Um. But. Yeah, so I'm. Uh, yeah, I I can't disagree with that. I think all all of the character stuff is just too thin. Like conceptually, mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with any of the ideas they present me with. They're all just a bit underdeveloped. Yeah, I think they just needed. I mean, this movie's pretty long, but like, there's some stuff you could cut, I'm sure, and then like focus a little bit more on the, on I, like the kids, so that they had more of a storyline throughout. Do you know, honestly, by t- today's blockbuster standards, it's not actually that long. Because, like, I mean, because there's still, like, ten minutes of credits, so it's, you know, you're done, like... It's a little over two hours, then. It's I mean, it's less than two hours, even with credits. Oh, I thought it was, like, over two hours. Maybe it felt like over two hours, too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. No, it's, it's like, um... I think, I think with credits, it's, like, an hour 50-something, but it's, like, yeah, it's, like, an hour 40 with, mm. without the credits, so... I mean, it but, didn't feel like a long movie, yeah. honestly. But by today's standards, like, yeah, you, you could you could easily add 10 minutes. And all that 10 minutes would be there to flesh out the character stuff, both with the adults and the kids. And just give them a bit more time, give them a bit more of an arc. And that could make me just care a little bit more about the about the, the ongoings. I mentioned Mako there when I was talking about because, you know, Mako's kind of in charge. There's no mention. I, 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 did they mention that the, the, the Hunnam got killed or something? Did they even address that he was maybe dead? I think they did. Mm-hmm. I, I, there may have been like one throwaway line about him dying. Oh, I didn't hear anything about him. I think there may have been one throwaway line, but Michael was like in charge of the whole program because obviously Idris Elba is gone. Um, yeah. Which we should mention, by the way, but this didn't even come up. John Bega is Idris Elba's son. <laughs> right, which is neat. I will say because this is this is one of those things where I love when they get. You know, I especially in a cheesy movie like this because it's a cheesy blockbuster, right? And that's okay. Mm-hmm. I am down with a couple of cheesy wink, wink references, but sometimes you can go too far and ruin it. And the example I'm going to give you is this: Charlie Day. Charlie Day, when he meets John Vega, says, <laughs> "He says, oh, your dad gave really great speeches. That's a good reference. That's a funny line. Mm-hmm. I laughed." And then he ruins it by going, "Did you hear the one where he cancelled the apocalypse?" I'm like, "No, you took it too far. Now it's not yeah. funny anymore." <laughs> Yep. Although I will say the stuff that happens with Charlie Day is probably my favorite stuff in the film. Oh, you mean where Although he... Although I, I really, really wish that it went a different direction. 
So go ahead and tell them about it, and then I'll ooh, I hit the mic. Sorry. Well, I want to talk about Mako first. We'll get back to Charlie Day because okay. uh, Mako, unfortunately, like you can see it coming a mil- million miles away <laughs> that she's going to be the shock early death in the sequel to like raise mm-hmm. the stakes. And I actually do like the scene in question because you've got like you know uh, they're doing a big ceremony and the, the Jaeger's basically just there as like a. I mean, it's kind of for security, but it's mostly just like a showpiece kind mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, and Bega and Eastwood are in it. And there's a couple of fun moments here where they try to like grab the rocket that this, the evil Jaeger, because that's one of the big things we'll talk about is the fact that we've got like evil Jaegers in this one. But um, I mean, none of the Jaegers are sentient themselves, but you know what I mean? <laughs> there's villainous entities using the Jaegers. Instead of the, instead yeah. of the monsters, yeah. Yes, there's evil Jaegers. No kaiju, we get Jaegers. So. I do actually think, I, I do kind of like the awkwardness of like Mako's in this, or Mako's in this helicopter and it's going down because it's been hit and they try and dive to catch it and they just miss it. I actually mm-hmm. think the sequence is fun in terms of how it's shot, but I will admit, I kind of, and I'm not that attached to Mako as a character because the characters in the first one aren't that great, but. No, they're not. I think on principle, it still annoyed me a little bit because I'm like, oh yeah, you're going to kill one of the main characters from the first one. Yeah. It's, it's just such a sequel thing to do. <laughs> you know? Like, I'm never going to be upset like, like I am at the start of Alien 3 at this. It's just, it's not the same. It's not the same level. Of course not, no. But, on principle, uh Oh, you like this character? They're gone now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, uh, I just don't want to mention that quickly, just because, like, that's hard. She's done. All right, we're, we can move on. <laughs> Although, <laughs> I will say... That it's kind of funny that there wasn't even like a reference to not only, uh, like I mean maybe Idris Elba like mentions he has a kid in the first one, but like the idea that like Marco has this like sibling like relationship with them, you think that would have come up at least once in yeah. the first movie. <laughs> so you know it's totally it's tacked on. It's a little like um, like Michael Burnham and and. Spock in Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's less glaring because, like, at least with this, it's only one two hour movie versus three seasons <laughs> and six movies. Hey, Star Trek has been guilty of this before. Even Spock has been mm-hmm. guilty of this before. He never talked about his brother. That is true. Yes. Yeah, br- Which, yes. I was I was about to say why didn't Michael ever know about him? But then I, I guess I remember because even it was he was secret of right? it's from before her. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, was, he was like secret of when he was off exiled and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. He was the embarrassing family member no one spoke of. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so, um, well, yeah, you want to talk about Charlie Day? So, um, I as much as I complained about that joke, I do kind of love Charlie Day in this movie. Uh, he's he's over the top he's acting he's overacting he's being cheesy Mm -hmm. but on top of that he's having weird orgasm shared sex main sex with a kaiju (laughs) brain this is my favorite part of like the new lore is that Mm -hmm. because he like connected with the or drifted with the kaiju brain from the first film that he has some sort of connection to it where he's, it's almost like a thrill seeker thing that um, turns out it's more nefarious. Like he's actually being controlled, he's be- but I, I sort of love the idea of him. Like, like un- just in this like 
relationship with the with a brain that you know like it's something kind of sweet like it's just he has this connection and like he wants to introduce her to his friend who also drifted with him well i, like I you d- get to meet alice yeah, I love that tease. Because obviously when he says this at the start of the movie, you just assume, oh, he got married in the last 10 years. Because he says, oh, come over yeah, for dinner. Yeah, it's been you can, a while. Yeah. You can finally meet Alice. And you're like, oh, he's got someone. And yeah. we have a scene where he comes home from work and he's like, oh, day, today's been hell, honey. And he's like, sort of like, you know, taking his coat off and he's like, like complaining a, about a, work. Some romantic song playing in the background. It's Foreigner. No, I know this yeah. because I, I was laughing because right when he starts to orgasm, when he puts the brain thing on, uh-huh. it, that's when the chorus kicks in. I want to know what love is. Right. <laughs> I know you can show me. <laughs> it's a great scene. It's perfect. And I, I just, I so wish that instead of him being like under control, that he was just genuinely in this relationship. And just like she was like manipulating him, but like, you know, he's just this nerdy guy who doesn't get along well with girls. So he has this thing. I would have loved that to have been the storyline. So you you wished he was still in full control of his faculties, at least in the traditional sense. Right. And then like, you know, it was the big betrayal of of his love that, you know, turned him into the bad guy. Not, you know, he didn't want to, but you know, Mm -hmm. women have that. (laughs) <laughs> women can have that power over men sometimes can, can we acknowledge can we acknowledge just how really freaking weird this is for such a mainstream blockbuster oh Fairly, yeah it's so weird and if but, you have the captions on it's weirder because this this is you know let's face it this is a movie that is designed to work for young kids right maybe not like mm-hmm. ultra young but like definitely your your pg-13 and uh you know that that crowd right this is definitely meant to appeal to them in every possible way and it's got Mm -hmm. a plot where charlie day is linking up to an alien brain and like just for pleasure for pleasure yes (laughs) the thrill of it i love how the other guy is like he's getting nightmares from it and stuff but charlie's just like plug him back in (laughs) (laughs) just to feel it again yeah burn garman he's uh he's back as well of course uh uh what a great name yeah uh he he yeah i think he's pretty good in this he actually i mean he's still a bit over the top right um yeah i thought he was worse in the first one yeah i agree with that and he actually gets maybe the not the best line but he's got so one of the things that maybe we may have said about the first one is that it overused its main theme too much one of the things that this sequel does, which I love when sequels do this, is that they withhold the main theme until a big moment where it really mm-hmm. you, you feel it hit. And he actually gets the moment where it's just it's right when they're at the the, the worst has happened at the end of Act Two, and he's it's like okay, these three kaiju are here now, and they're going to do this apocalyptic thing, blah blah blah. Like, and we can't get to them in time unless my like really crazy theoretical thruster tech is going to work. And they say he's like in theory he's like what does that mean and the camera like tracks and he goes today it means yes and then it cuts to a montage of them like prepping the jaegers and it's like and that's when the music is like nah, 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 nah. and i'm like yes you held off and it like it was a moment <laughs> because you weren't playing that all movie every time the jaegers were doing something it was a moment yeah yeah um and i think what worked about it the first time i saw it is that i didn't have the main theme memorized so I'd forgotten there was a main theme. So when it kicked in in the second one, I actually started like, like, oh yeah. And I started, I started cackling with joy because I was like, <laughs> I'd forgotten about this music. I actually didn't even recognize the music. 
It's been a little while since we watched Pacific Rim. And it, that was the first time I had seen it also. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Clearly it didn't work for everyone, but it worked for me. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it, I get it. Um so I get I it. I have I get the same feeling in Creed. You know, they hold off the Rocky theme till the the moment you need to hear it the most. That is actually a good example. That is maybe one of the best examples of holding off the theme until the right moment. Um, it's almost like you forget that the theme exists and then you're like, oh yes, and this is the perfect time. Yes. <laughs> um, I almost feel bad for even letting this like air because I feel like you shouldn't have it spoiled, but I mean, it's been long enough, I suppose. <laughs> the... <laughs> like, I would be mad. See if, I, see if someone told me before I saw Creed that the theme was going to show up at some point, I would have been pissed. Mm -hmm. when, I, when I got to that point in the movie, I'd have been mad that someone had told me it was going to happen. Oh, come on. Creed, you get so into Creed. If you haven't seen it, like... No, I'd have been well, mad. Shame on you. I, like... I would. I would have been mad. I would have feel like a moment. That moment was special because I didn't know it was coming. Oh well, I mean, I had heard it because I watched reviews before, and that that's something that they brought up because obviously it's a, it's an incredible moment. But like, when you're watching the movie, the movie's just so good. You don't really think about the reviews while you're watching it. I don't anyway. Mm. When it's a good film, you just get invested. And then it kicks in and you go, oh yeah, they were right. This is right. This is the perfect moment. <laughs> I mean, that's the potentially yes, but there's a chance that it will like be there in my brain. Like it depends what it is. It varies from time to time. I'm just saying, I'm just saying like that, that was a special moment. That was a special moment okay. in the theater. I agree. So, okay. um, so yeah, we have to get into the actual plots. I mean, there's no about characters, I suppose. Uh, we, we have, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, played played by T and Jing, but uh, Xiao, she's this, like, billionaire businesswoman. She, yeah, she's um, introduced as the villain. Because well, she's made all these drone Jaegers. She's introduced as kind of an antagonist, and then they tease that she's the full-on villain that's actually behind the evil Jaeger. And then it twists into, you know, it's Charlie Day who's doing... Because he's working for her, and he's actually done this mm -hmm. all behind her back. And then she's kind of like a, a hero by the end when she's helping them. But, uh, yeah, so she she's there. Um, and, yeah, I, I mean, the, the plot of the movie, right? So I'm going to try and sum this up, okay? Right? Okay. In, ter in terms of the actual, like, threat. So once we have Baega, who's chosen to come and help train the recruits to avoid going to jail for being involved in the earlier scrapper thing um because there was a whole thing at the start of the movie where he was helping like criminals like steal old jaeger tech but uh, amara had already stolen it and that's how they end up running into each other but the guy from the expanse was going to shoot him for uh betraying him it was a whole thing anyway so once they're on board this evil Jaeger shows up during the big presentation, kills Mako, uh, causes a bunch of destruction, and it's like, okay, who's behind this? And Mako, before she dies, sends like something on her tablet. Right? She was looking into something suspicious, and it turns out to be a location, like an old Jaeger factory or something like that, uh, out in the middle of the Arctic. <laughs> and that's why they go to investigate. Uh, evil Jaeger shows up again, they have the big fight on the ice, they go underwater, it's a whole thing. And it's an okay fight. It's not great. It does because it's all just snow and ice and water. There's not there's a no scale. There's, yeah, there's no great sense of scale. So it's it's probably yeah. a little bit weaker in that sense. But there's some fun to be had. Um, and then once they sort of like analyze what's driving it, because when it rips off the the head or the the face, 
It's there's no there's no pilots. It's it's Alice. It's it's something that looks like Alice. It's a brain, yes, yeah, it's like a kaiju brain. Um, but then when Burn Burn Gornum does his science say you know stuff, <laughs> mm-hmm. he uh, discovers that it's not actually naturally <laughs> alien. It's sort of synthetic, like it's been based on the alien brains, but it's not actually one of them. And it's like, wait, this is so humans are behind this. This didn't come through a, a rift. This this is the humans. The humans. Yeah, it's like it's like when uh when scientists clone human ears on the back of mice. Aye. That's a real thing. Yeah. Aye. It's just that. <laughs> um, so she's going to launch her drone Jaegers, right? And the idea is she's going to replace and they're all kind of worried that they're getting replaced because she's built tech that can be basically operated. So a bit classic storyline. It, yeah, yeah, it's it's effectively once we see it being used, it's like you know, when we see them inside the Jaegers, they've got the holograms around them. Basically, they'll just mm-hmm. do that from base instead. And they don't have to have two pilots per Jaeger anymore. And it's just a, it's a complete replacement thing. But Charlie Day, of course, when they do go to launch them all, there's a, there's a moment where uh, Amara and the kids like sneak into the, the evil Jaeger. And she ends up getting one of the other kids hurt whilst they're in there. And that gets her kicked out very briefly, which this is another thing that's very thin. Like the whole idea of her having to fight her way back in. This is when the Russian students like, you're all right. Yeah, but like, (laughs) this is one of these things where she gets kicked out for for sneaking in there and getting one of the other kids hurt. But she basically gets accepted back in within like 10 minutes of things happening. And it's just kind of like, there was no like her proving herself like or anything to like get back in, uh, which I felt like was the big dramatic beat. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's literally just where I thought I was kicked out, and Boogie goes, "I'm kicking you back in," and that's it. It's just over. It's like, okay, oh, I guess that's that little arc done. That little plot there is complete. <laughs> but anyway, so but she she notices something that that matches the tech that sh- that Show builds, and that makes them you know. So Burn Gordon is all happy because he's actually got a mission for once. He's going to go and talk to Charlie Day to make so they can like take her down from the inside. But then of course he launches all the drones. And it turns out that he's the evil one. And the drones that have, like, the kaiju brain kind of expands, so they've got, like, some kaiju tissue coming out of the drone, like, Jaeger bodies. Most of them go to, like, form new rifts. They go and, like, beam into the, you know, the surface of the the earth and, like, open a portal for some kaiju. But some of them come to the base where all the Jaegers are and start like trying to kill everyone so this is quite kind of a fun sequence because you get like all of the humans not in jaegers like running from like the robots and it's kind of you know tense and all these things going on mm-hmm. um luckily show is able to like sort of hack them and sort of make them all sort of self-destruct eventually but they're in pr- they're, they're in you know danger for quite a bit here um but three kaiju do get through i did enjoy the visual of one kaiju getting like split in half because it gets shut when all the drones get turned off mm-hmm. uh I, I do enjoy how the blood kind of glows a little bit. It's got that kind of that bioluminescence. Yeah, it's like someone's it's like someone's like cut a lava lamp in half, and it's just like bleh, <laughs> bleh. Magic kaiju blood. Magic kaiju. That's blood. how you power the rockets. That's so how, now yeah, there's plenty you, of rocket fuel. That's how you power the rocket because they're too heavy for any conventional fuel. It has to be the magic kaiju blood fuel. Yeah. So that's how that. But anyway, so the big the big plot thing that's introduced here is that all the kaiju, and this includes the first film, all the kaiju secretly always were heading, they were always converging to one location. Mm-hmm. And that was Mount Fuji. Because 
I think that's kind of fun, actually. Just it's like a bit of a nod to all the kaiju movies. Oh sure, yeah, Japan, the past. Being, like er- yeah. they always take, you know, take over Japan. Much like American movies, they always take over New York or yeah, San Francisco or something. It's nah, like oh, there's a reason, you know, there's a like a beacon I, there. Yeah, I know. We can't see. I, I like that it's a there's a, a homage to Japan being the origin of of kaiju. It might also be because and this movie just... probably did well in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> and not even just kaiju. Japan's also the origin of like the idea of like these big mech fights and stuff. Like this yeah, is all yeah. anime. Ultron stuff. and yeah. stuff. Right now so. Ultron. No. What's the Voltron? Voltron. Yeah. I don't is know. That... I don't watch it. Is that Japanese? What? Voltron, is that Japanese? I think so. Don't they have a cartoon on Netflix or something? People like? Yeah, but that well, was the new version, but is it originally Japanese? think so when i lived there there was a bunch of voltron action figures you can buy sure okay i don't know i just didn't know i i, I didn't i didn't i didn't know if voltron was american or japanese so. i think it is okay. well i mean there's power rangers mecha godzilla yeah or even, or even before i mean maybe Prince of mecha, space maybe mecha godzilla's early the earliest example but there's definitely tons of stuff before because you got like uh what'd you call it ghost in the shell is that one? Yeah, I, I haven't seen it. Or oh, what's the one I'm trying to think of? The one with the, there's a stupid penguin in the fridge. I tried to watch like one episode of it and I realized I hated anime. <laughs> cowboy Bebop. No, it's not Cowboy Bebop. It's, it's something. Ball? No, there's, there's kids. There's kids piloting Jaegers. Stop saying <laughs> none of these. Pikachu. <laughs> Jim Jam. I'm not going to think about it. <laughs> I, I, I can't think of something where you're yelling <laughs> random names at me. Oh, I thought I'm not going to think of it. I'm not going to think of it. It was shit, whatever it was. Anyway. <laughs> That's going to annoy me, but anyway. Um, so, yes, the, ki- the three kaiju they got through are all heading towards Mount Fuji. And that's why they have to attach big rockets to the Jaegers. And because so many pilots died in this attack, with them attacking the base, they have to enlist the recruits, the kids, to pilot all the the various Jaegers. Uh, There's one that takes three, uh, and then there's obviously the others all take two. And they all... Have jetpacks. Get rocketed to Japan... (laughs) And they land in front of Mount Fuji so they can take on the, the three kaiju that are on their way to the thing. And uh, I think all the action here is a lot of fun. Like, I, you know, I, this is... I mean, the movie, like, if, if this last 20 minutes was, like, unsatisfying, the entire movie would have been worthless. <laughs> like, it wouldn't... Nothing, nothing yeah, it's, a, it's good for a little while. I think I just kind of get a little bored of the fight. I don't know. I, that happens to me though. If the fights last mm. too long and they're not changing it up enough, I felt like it did change up the last thing. But okay. Yeah, I I still got a little bored. Yeah. Um, I I I appreciated the the different sort of beats that were in here. Um, you had like you know one of them ducking out the way whilst one of them got like knocked back like over the top of them. Uh, we mentioned earlier on the the buildings being like sort of pulled down to like topple the kaiju. 
Uh, I, I kind of love that they do actually kind of win. They're kind of like, they're starting to like hold their own and they do manage to like sort of beat back the three of them, which is why, you know, Charlie Day like un- unleashes all these little mini robots that connect the three kaiju together into a super kaiju. <laughs> mm-hmm. The Megazord. <laughs> it's what's well, not a Zord though, is it? It's the kaiju. So it's more like a mecha. Well, it's not even a mecha. The mega monster i don't know it's different <laughs> okay well megazord implies that the jaegers connect and form a big jaeger yeah yeah, yeah. but I it's the evil version i know i'm being nerdy about this but i, I don't think we can call it a megazord <laughs> okay are the other monsters that come out are they mechanical they seem mechanical yeah the little ones that connect them it's a little bit of a megazord then I guess. <laughs> He's so bothered stretch. by this. <laughs> stretch. I don't know. I just... It's not a Megazord, okay? I'm just, okay. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Super Kaiju or so. I don't know what you want to call it. Okay. I mean, it's two Category 4s and a 5. Do you know what's so funny? They spent so much time in the first movie talking about category numbers, and it literally comes up once in this entire film. It's when they first mm-hmm. appear... And Burn Gorm says, it's two fours and a five. And then they never utter the numbers again. <laughs> and it's just so funny because the first movie like constantly talked about cat threes and fours. Yeah. And the first ever five, or was it the first ever six? Whatever, the, whatever it was at the end, it was like the first ever one. Yeah, um, probably six. Um, So the two fours and a five combining, does that like become like a 13? 13. <laughs> You said, it's a category 13. <laughs> were you trying to mouth that to me because you thought I couldn't do the math or were you unsure? Yes. The, oh, <laughs> mm, how dare you? The way that it timed up on my end. I was trying to help you. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I got there. <laughs> it's okay. I know it's been a while for you. <laughs> All right. Well... The the thrilling climax. Well, one of the kids does die. Only one. Which I think I think I like. I think it would have been very easy to either kill none of them, which would have been kind of you know, spineless, or like kill like all but the main one that we know, <laughs> which would have mm-hmm. been really like cliched. So it's it's the one that um. It's the one whose dad. One it's the one whose dad works on boobs. That was that's the one oh, who dies. Oh yeah yeah yeah. The boop one. Yes. Yes. These dads are plastic surgeon for, for It's anyone. good to know that some professions can live past the apocalypse. <laughs> hey, society's We cool still have our priorities straight, you know? Still kind of get them boobies. <laughs> Boops are important. All right. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, a- a- every form of media that has lasted has lasted because porn. <laughs> existed on it all the ones sure. who didn't have porn they all died yeah but you think like people would just embrace natural breasts for a little while anyway <laughs> and like worked on things like medicine or factories <laughs> getting their hot sauce back well to be well no, to be fair i don't think the hot sauce thing is that there's no hot sauce in general i think it's just that there's no hot sauce in these like uh like the coastal areas that are all still 
you know, kaiju, like, wastelands, basically. Because mm-hmm. it seems like the regular cities everywhere else are all fine. They seem normal still, to me. Well, yeah, kaiju only attack areas with large buildings that they can knock over. Well, yeah, but even Otherwise, says... Otherwise, what's the point? No, but he even says at the start that most of the big big cities bounced back and, like, rebuilt. It's, it's only, like, some of these, like, smaller areas that just get left to... So, I don't think that... I don't think that these things are hard to come by in the, the more popu- populated areas. Hell, Japan's mm. even got this fancy shelter. You see this, like, sort of cil- cylinder, like, entrance yeah, right? kind of, like, <laughs> going to the, the ground. Uh, yeah. Because, yeah, Burn Gorms even says, like, everyone's, like, evacuated into the shelters. You're, you're clear to engage. Which... <laughs> And the, these these Jaegers and these pilots do not care one bit about how many buildings they are. I mean, I mentioned I enjoyed the buildings being poured down, but even even when the first one like whips out the laser swords, it like yeah. like just like, goes into the buildings at the sides. I'm like, that's just you didn't need to do that. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's the- okay. Everyone's in shelters. We'll just build buildings again. It's no big deal when one gets taken down. Not at all. Or eighteen. <laughs> I think 18's been a generous estimate, quite frankly. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's like one per second. Um, But, yes, so one does get killed because he gets cocky. It's once the kaijus went super kaiju. Uh, and they all run in, but they get their ass whipped. The agile one gets the legs cut off. The other one, uh, the big bulky one that Amara's in gets... Uh, pulled apart so they have to evacuate so we see this the fancy escape pods again um and basically they're left in a position where they can't fight anymore and the big super kaiju the gypsy avenger also gets like a blade to the face yeah yeah because yeah, scott has been taken out and they have a weird like little eject system where they just like whoop, put him into the, the like the brain of the of um the jaeger yeah I don't know, it was a neat effect where he's just like whoop, you're gone yeah. Wasn't that in the first one as well? Didn't they go into the... I don't remember. The, I mean, the escape pods look very similar because I remember the, the inflatable things around it and stuff. I don't remember. I just... The the effect of Scott Eastwood being lifted off mm. into the head of the... Or into the brain section of the Gypsy Danger was... Or Gypsy Avenger, excuse me, was... Uh, was fun. I like the name Gypsy Avenger a bit more than Gypsy Danger. Gypsy Danger... Sure. Sounds like a stripper. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, <laughs> please welcome to the stage, Gypsy Danger. Huh? No? Maybe a little ACDC? You've clearly spent more time <laughs> in strip clubs than I have, so it's fair, fair I enough. know that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, no, but anyway, so... Yeah, Amara, because Scott Eastwood gets injured and he can't pilot anymore, he gets ejected and she runs up and like jumps and like onto the hand of the you know, and John Baker is able to like con- control it just enough to like pick her up and so she can climb in the front of the, the head and they sync up and it's like So the plan is because they they can't really fight anymore and the kaiju is on its way to the uh, Mount Fuji, which we never even mentioned. When it gets to Mount Fuji, it's going to basically combine its blood with the natural, like, rare elements in Mount Fuji, and it will basically cause the apocalypse, like, properly, where it'll set the Pacific uh, Ring on fire and release toxins all over the planet, and everyone will die. So, the stakes are high. (laughs) It's crazy. (laughs) So, the plan becomes to basically just try and, like, 
fly up as high as they can and then just aim and land on top of it like they basically just treat the whole thing like a bomb and just nuke the bastard um <laughs> And this is where the scrapper comes back into it. So basically, I thought this was neatly set up, actually, because, you know, like, Shao's whole thing was about, you know, drone operating uh, Jaegers. And we know that scrapper, because it's small enough, only takes one pilot. So I thought they did a good job of, like, this not feeling, like, cheap. Because it was like, oh, no, they set this up. Scrapper exists. Yeah, I totally yeah. was expecting, uh, you know... Amara to go into the scrapper and save the day at the end. Yeah, I was expecting yeah Amara to do it at some point, but it was a nice surprise for Shao to like show up like re- you know remote pilot in it. Get back to her roots, you know. Yeah, and well, <laughs> that's the funny thing is she has like you know the, the hair up the whole movie when she's meant to be evil, but the moment she like in fact so Burn Gordon goes to like try and like get Charlie Day to help like take her down because they think she's evil, right? And then it turns out he's the evil one, and he escapes. When he shows up to help back at base he comes in with a fl- fleet of helicopters and like mm-hmm. he's like i brought some backup and like she kept comes out and it's at this moment the first time in the whole movie her hair's down and it's like flowing in the wind like oh only she's not evil anymore yeah only good <laughs> uh women have their hair flowing in the wind the evil women oh it's all uptight and like oh yeah rigid. there's definitely a a trope for that probably for sure. it probably is a trope but um or like uh yeah um, curly-haired women versus straight-haired women. Almost always, like... Yeah, what's the, what's, what's the trope, though? What, what does each one mean? <laughs> yeah, so almost always, like, the curly-haired woman is evil. Okay. And, like, the straight, like, really mm-hmm. um, controlled hair is actually, like, the good one. You're, yeah. like, literally halfway between those two extremes, though. So where do you fall on that spectrum? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty... <laughs> Pretty evil. <laughs> evil Got a lot a, of frizz. With a, with a touch of heart. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so Scrapper has to basically, like, they have, like, one thruster that's still, like, got fuel in it that they can use to, like, fly up. But Gypsy can't even really walk anymore. But luckily, this is when Scrapper comes in and shows all, like, yeah, I'm here, you know, backup's incoming. And so we get a little scrapper running along the, the road, like holding up this big missile looking, you know, <laughs> right there, and uh, welds it to uh, Gypsy's hand and they fly up. Uh, but then the escape pod's not working when they go up. So we get kind of a sort of bookend because when, you know, they first met and the, the big Jaeger showed up to arrest, you know, her for building a... Because, you know, people aren't allowed to build their own Jaegers. It's kind of frowned upon. Uh, they're called rogues, I think they mentioned earlier on. Um, Bayega had to just sort of run into the cockpit and he wasn't in like a proper spot because there was no space for him. So he was just kind of like trying to hold on and not die as like the, as it's running around. So there's kind of a sort of bookend to this where you th- they think they're going to die because they can't get the escape pod to work. But then, of course, if you just in case you forgot, you know, Scrapper's been like hanging on the back of <laughs> the of, of Gypsy the whole time. And cuts into the helmet, gets them to come inside uh, the little scrapper. So they both have to just sort of like try and hold on while she's piloting the, the thing. Um, and yeah, they roll off into the snow and uh, the the Jaeger hits the, the big kaiju and it, it works. It, it, they've it, cancelled the apocalypse. They've, they've once okay. again cancelled the apocalypse. Yeah. But he even, even tries to make a little speech at one point. But he, he doesn't even try to top his dad. He knows he can't. So he just, no. 
He just like He does have charisma though. I do like John Boyega. I like Boyega. Mm. Um I, I think the problems in this with any of the characters are less to do with the actors because I think most of them are entertaining and likable. Mm-hmm. Uh pretty much across the board. It really just comes down to how thin the characters are written and some of the yeah. maybe a dodgy line of dialogue here or there that doesn't quite work or feels forced. Um so you know, it is, it is what it is. I I I also I don't want to gloss over this because I, I we kind of skipped over this. So when Bird Garmin goes to get goes to talk to Charlie Day, right? Mm-hmm. Thinking that shows the evil one behind everything. When he convinces Charlie Day to help, there's a scene where they're in the elevator and there's like guards around them. And, and the girl from Ipanema is playing because that's always the elevator song. <laughs> do, 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 do. I'll take oh. you, reco- <laughs> you didn't recognize the main theme. I don't recognize this. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it's just standard elevator music in movies. But yeah, I, I remember thinking this was weird when I first watched it. Although I guess it kind of makes some sense. No, no, it doesn't. No, because it's, it's mostly burn. Charlie Dale only really takes out the one guy. But Burn Gar- it turns out Burn with that cane is very effective. He takes out like four people <laughs> yeah. in the elevator. Like he's Captain yep. America. Don't underestimate him. Yeah. It is very much like what is it? Civil War? Yeah. Or no, the Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier. Yeah, it's Winter Soldier. The yeah. later scene. They just kinda of play it for laughs though, which is and I, I like, <laughs> let's be honest. It's a cheesy movie about giant robots fighting giant monsters. Or yeah. other or other robots, right? I'll roll with it. Like I, I mean <laughs> Sure. No part of me came into a movie like this wanting something deeper, wanting like super. But there, there's definitely some fundamentals that feel like they're a bit sloppy, and because of that, it feels very thin. Yeah, I um, agree. But I think the action's good, though. I enjoy I enjoy the uh, the fights, particularly the I mean, third act one. It's fun enough. I I just don't. Um... I don't know. I just don't get into these type of movies unless I have some sort of like personal investment. Like I like the Power Rangers movie. It's very similar and I know it's dumb, but like I get in I know the I know the main theme for that and when it kicks in, like Oh sure. I feel it. Of <laughs> yeah. course. Turns me back into like nine year old me. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I like the spirit of this movie more than the first. If I was to if I was to try and like say it in a in a sentence, mm-hmm. I like the spirit of Uprising more than the first film. Although I would agree that objectively the first film is probably the better of the two mm-hmm. in terms of like direction and value and you know things like that. But it the first one's a bit cooler. Also, it's got like a coolness to it that this one has more of a we're like fun and for kids feeling yeah which I, and I think that fits it better which is why i think i like this one a little bit more but just mm-hmm. a little bit like maybe not as much as i did the first time i saw it because the, the problems are maybe a little more in my face that said though i had fun watching it again and mm-hmm. i'll watch it again someday because I, I, I have a fun time with it it's an easy watch for sure um yeah. okay know, it's uh yeah and i think the effects are pretty solid there's definitely times you know when they're in the snow for example the snow looks a bit fake but it's i think it's not so much that i think it looks super realistic but more that it's 
pleasing enough to look at and that, that sounds like a weird thing but sometimes it's not so much that the cgi is uh, not realistic but it's that it's ugly <laughs> it's that it's fake and ugly sure whereas here yeah. i think it's so bright and colorful with them fighting in the city at the end that i never really worry about how realistic it looks i'm too busy just enjoying the the the, the spectacle on the show mm-hmm. um so you know so yeah for as cynical as jd's i can be i'm actually kind of fairly positive on this well it's warts and all because it is it is a flawed film and if you don't like this movie i totally get it if you're for someone who aligns with my taste on you know dare i say cinema and you like to collect criterions and shit like that i'm there with you this is this is not for everyone (laughs) it really isn't but we can all have something that's a little sillier in our lives and i think this is fine i will happily watch this more than any fast and the furious movie Oh yeah, totally. Like this, this is, this is it's way better than. Taste. Yeah, it's it's better than the Transformers movies. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and uh, easier to watch and prettier to look at. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, it's just, it's just not my t- my type of film. I don't really enjoy these types of big chaotic movies <laughs> with no point. <laughs> not that I, not that I need them all to have that, you know. But like, uh, I don't know. There's a reason I think this appeals to like the Japanese and Chinese audience, other than like having just actors from those countries. You know, they tend to make movies like this too. It's very anime. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which I, I'm not a fan of anime. But there's concepts that are in anime that I think are good concepts that, I don't know. Like, to me, the fun of a giant robot fight is seeing it look somewhat, you know, photo-real. And, you know, the, at the very least, we're pretending that it's real. Uh, it's the sort of thing where making that anime, to me, takes all the charm out of having a giant robot. <laughs> like, if you're going to have a giant sure. robot, make it look live action. Give me a giant robot in a city that looks real. <laughs> yeah. Like Iron Giant. Shut up! <laughs> that movie's amazing. That that, that just because I, I haven't like, seen it, I know. Just I know. because I like one animated movie with a robot in it does not <laughs> defeat the point of what I'm. <laughs> I know. I, I'm just I teasing. Like Iron Giant doesn't have to be an Iron Giant though. Like that that movie would work if it was, you know, more of a a regular sized alien or something like that. It would still work. I wouldn't know. I haven't seen it. Yes. I was just picking on you. Yes. I mean, that is science fiction, so I suppose we will do it in the show at some point. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm. Yes. You are proud of that deadpan snipe, though. <laughs> I can of course see I am. I can see it in your face. Yep. How can I contradict Peter? Nailed it. I think you enjoy contradicting me too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think. <laughs> I'm just fighting back. Uh, um, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much... I mean, I guess we didn't mention this, this kind of... It's not really a mid credit scene. It's just kind of... like there's The title comes up at the end and then there's immediately a scene, which unfortunately is there to tease a third film, which... Oh, yeah. Probably it's is never happen. happening. <laughs> because this didn't do that well financially, but... And what's really weird about it is the exact same ending 
is the second Independence Day. Which is funny because we compared the I haven't ending. Because we compared the, fir- the third act of the first film to the ending of Independence Day so much. It's really funny that the little mid credit tease at the end of the sequel is actually the exact same as the end of the mid credit tease at the end of Independence Day 2. Which is basically. We're we'll be ready. Re- no, not because no, it's not we're going to be ready. It's we're taking the fight to them. Mm. I'm glad you pay attention in the movie, Tara. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was some sort of message. Tell your people. <laughs> we're, we're coming. Or yeah. we'll be ready. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, that's, that's the promise of that cliff fire, though, is that you know, we're, it's going to be different next time because we're not going to be waiting for them to attack. We're going to go there. We're going to yeah. open the portal and we're going to go kill them on their turf. Seems like a mistake. Seems like a mistake. It also seems like, I don't know, isn't that just committing genocide? Like, <laughs> if, you yeah. just, if you do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe they're not going to go after the kaiju. They're going to go hmm. after the protoss or whoever they are on the other side the precursors were the name of the aliens right. yeah not the not the starcraft aliens no is that what that word was protoss yeah it's protoss terran and zerg that's zerg yeah zerg I'm so i love gl- starcraft too i'm so glad you're just uh <laughs> just just showing that you're nerdier than I am. <laughs> Just a skosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um. So hey, I mean that's basically a Pacific Rim uprising. That's 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 that's, that's the movie. It's just not obviously a super deep movie. It's not something that has like themes really. <laughs> no, I mean troubled father trope. The it's just a lot of tropes, right? Like John Boyega, he's like the guy who doesn't, who like is it was too good that he used his abilities instead of doing the good thing to go to like crime, but like the people want him back because he's the best. Yeah, but it, he's just like his dad. But it, it, even that's super thin, <laughs> though, because like the, the most that ever comes out of it is you know Amara says to him, "Your dad would be proud." Like just sort of towards the end. But there's never it's, it's never like he really has uh like a I mean he, he kind of acknowledges that he doesn't in his really speech. earn that much like he doesn't he doesn't like have to work for it that hard because he's already been established as he's the best because of his lineage. Kind of yeah. Actually, that's the other thing with Amara is that there's so we see like in the same way in the first film that when she drifts with uh, Boyega, we get to see kind of her like her her sad origin her story. Trauma. Yeah. yeah, and I actually kind of like this little flashback because it's basically so a kaiju showed up when she was a little girl, and like the, she was on a pier because she was out, you know, out for a fun day with the family, and they do this thing where there's like a sort of like you know, there's a big gap in the bridge now, and all of her family are on one side, she's on the other side, and her dad's like, "Hey, jump! I've got you! I've got you, honey! I'll catch you!" And then just as she's about to jump, the foot comes in and squashes her whole family. I thought that it's was actually a really, funny. It's really dark. It's a really <laughs> yeah. comically dark moment but they, they kind of try to pay that off at the end where she has to jump over from her seat to where Bayega is so that they can use the same escape pod which then doesn't mm-hmm. work obviously as we mentioned earlier but uh but he's like oh, i've got you i've got to trust me so it's like she has to have this moment and again it's very thin it's like the thinnest like writing screenwriting i've ever seen which is just oh 
she she had trouble trusting someone to catch her so we'll have someone try to have to catch her at the end and which do you know what this would be more effective if she didn't already take the huge leap of faith into the hand like, te- like five minutes before right, the yeah. scene <laughs> she, she, al- she already did this forgot about that <laughs> without and in that time Baega was saying no don't do it don't do it it's too dangerous and she did it anyway mm-hmm. but then she has this moment here when she's like so I've got you it's like wait so it's only if someone puts their hand out and says I've got you that you have this traumatic moment where you're like no that's making me think of my dead dad no yeah you're right pretty <laughs> uh, thin then everything should we rate it everything's thin yeah, we can. Clearly, Tara wants to wrap this up, but yes, everything. I think we've we've gone we've gone the distance with the movie. I think. <laughs> okay, okay, but yeah, yes, every everything like there's so many little things set up for every character, but they're all very thin. Yeah, that's the theme of the movie. Is that everything's like? I mean, don't get me wrong. It's better than some movies that don't even do that. Like some won't. At least it, it at least goes through. They the attempted motions. to have a script. Yeah. Yes. Um, but it rushes through too much of it and is too thin to actually resonate that much. But ultimately, some fun action. So, okay, Tara, what would you like to rate Pacific Rim Uprising? Um. So yeah, it's all right. Um, I'll give it a six. I think it's, I think it's a perfectly fine, fun, watchable movie. For it, it's, it reminds me of a lot of other movies that have come out like like power rangers or even like the transformers films but you know it's not terrible like it's it's definitely watchable mm-hmm. um if you like the first one you'll i think you'll like this one too i i don't think it it suffers a little bit from sequelitis but like i think it's you know it's got a strong lead with john boyega he is charismatic and fun to watch and the girl's pretty good too yeah, um she's good yeah and they have they have good chemistry together a lot of the other stuff obviously is not is not good and it does bring it down but uh, you know the movie goes by pretty quickly so the stuff that you don't like you know is quickly gone so yeah it's a six i think that's fair uh i i do know that there is a lot of people who love the first one who don't like the second one and think and just look at it as trash and well there's a lot of guillermo del toro fans i think yes who, i think that's probably who are the loudest but I, you know, I, I think the first film, like, I was surprised by how much I liked the first film, and I still am. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, do, it does have have faults, and it, it isn't a perfect movie by any means. I, I, I kind of like it in spite of its faults, and I kind of feel the same way about this one, where the faults aren't the exact same, and there's some things that I like less about this one, but there's some things that I like more. Uh, so, I'm, I'm going to be generous, because I, I, I do have fun with it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a 7. I'm going to say, for what it is... I I I don't want to say it's good, but I think that it felt good to watch. Uh, so I'm going to give it. A seven. Okay. I'm going to give it a seven, which is I think was I think that's why I get the first one as well. So, yes. I hope Scott Eastwood gets like a role where he's not playing the by the books military guy, so we can actually see if he's good or not. He seems to be typecast in a lot of things. Hmm. Yes. I mean, he's got the name, the legacy name. Let's give him, you know, let's give him a Western or something. Just see what he does with it. Do you know what? Clint Eastwood sold that I would feel like 
Like, if you told me Scott Eastwood was his grandson and not his son, I would believe you. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Like, there is a pretty significant age gap there. Scott Eastwood's, like, in his late 90s. Yeah, he's, like, 90, maybe, actually, yeah. I think he's 90. I'll look it up. Tara's very loud mechanical keyboard. Uh, oh, making I its guest love appearance. it. I love it. Making his guest appearance on the show. He was born 1930. So I'm, I'm making 91 this year. Uh, actually, May 31st, so he turned 91. All right, well. Uh, good for him, I guess. <laughs> Way to go, Eastwood. <laughs> That's old. <gasps> yeah. But man, you can sure see it. Like, there are some shots where it's just like, that's young Eastwood right there. Yeah. Okay. There you go. That's Pacific Rim Uprising. If you made it this far into the review, put the word scrapper into the comments. Uh, you can, of course, uh, like and subscribe. And ding the bell for a notification. Special since we're on the uh, the Mail Fuzz Movies channel now. Uh, so it is just Ace and Screams and maybe other movie reviews content that I make um, that'll be on this one. So, you know, hit the ding the bell. You get more uh, movie review podcast stuff. Uh, you get notified every time it happens. Um, I will also tell you, once again, to go and submit your top sci-fi movies uh, in the submission form that's in the description. I'll make sure I tweet it out a few times as well, but it's in the description of this episode, so make sure you do that. Um, Tara, why don't you tell them all about Patreon? If you enjoy our reviews, you can check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash mildfuzztv. And if you donate as little as $1 per month, you will actually get episodes of Ace that are bonus episodes. So if you're looking for your favorite B-movies like Trancers or... Um, robot jocks. Relevant. That's what it was called. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah, called, called. Robot jocks or um, robot jocks is like Pacific Rim, but made for about two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was actually quite fun to watch. It says from the from the same director as the Reanimator, right? Yeah, Stuart Gordon. Um, yeah. It's honestly, it drags a little bit in the middle, but honestly, it's worth a watch. Robot Jock's not a bad movie. Um, yeah. You know, for the time yeah, it came so out. you'll get that for a dollar. I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> why, why don't we use that more? Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and if you donate $5 per month, you'll get access to this show one day early, and you'll get access to other shows we do a week early. So may benefit. Thank you. Yeah, and I'll also, for some reason I'm doing this after I made you do that, but uh, so I'll also thank our, our producers, uh, our Patreon producers are the $20 or more tiers, uh, so thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Board Now, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Stanley. So thank you to all, all of you wonderful people. Uh, thanks to all our patrons. So there you go. I'm going to make Tara pose for the thumbnail. So here we go. Three, two, one, pause. I don't know.
Robot jacks. <laughs> I feel like you got darker. <laughs> I don't know if you lean back at something. I guess see. There you go. Yeah, a little bit. I, have to I only have forward. one light source. Yeah, I may have to make it lean forward for future thumbnails. We'll see how we'll see how uh, dim you look on the thumbnail for this one. I always look pretty dim on this show. Ah, oh, shut up. That's not what I meant. <laughs> Nailed it. Does that does that does that make me uh the brain? Are you pinky? <laughs> sure. Pinky we'll say that. The brain. Except I'm the one in control. One is a genius, the other's insane. Alright. <laughs> um so next time on the Ace, we're actually going to do a recent film, uh, a Netflix movie called Stowaway. So that's what's coming up next time on the show. I look forward to that. Uh, and if you are uh, obviously on the Mail Fuzz Movies YouTube channel, which you will be if you're watching this, um, you'll notice that classic episodes are being re-uploaded onto that channel. So you'll be seeing maybe a couple of those a week going up. So if you're wondering what's going on, that's just what it is. But if you haven't seen them, if you're newer and you weren't around for those old episodes, you can see Tara's super short hair and see what it was like when we started. So, <laughs> check out that too. Um, but that is, uh, Basically the same. We've got I think you did. I think you've gone lighter on the age jokes now. I mean, you sprinkle them in from time to time, but you were pretty heavy on the age jokes in the beginning. Was I? Okay. It was like your one shtick. Like I don't. I don't know anything about this girl other than she's older than me. Yes, I have a lot more ammunition now. Mm-hmm. So this is true. As do I. Lies, filthy lies. This has been the Atomic Cinema Experiment. Thank you once again for watching or listening. We all appreciate it. Keep watching science fiction and computer. That's Elsa. Tonight we have cancelled the apocalypse. <laughs>